I'm Paul DeGarabedian, Senior Media Analyst for Comscore with my many screens, Big Picture Podcast. I'm thrilled today to have on the on my podcast, Eric Davis, Managing Editor of Fandango. And by the way, Eric, on your Twitter page, it says that guy from Fandango. But you're the managing editor and that guy from Fandango. Yes. And Rotten Tomatoes. So welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I changed that recently because a lot of people, when they reference me, they're like, oh, that's that guy from Fandango. Or that's that guy that talks about stuff with Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, I'm just going to be that guy from Fandango and Rotten Tomatoes. And then it's kind of easy. Now you understand who I am. I love it. And it makes remembering your title so easy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, I mean, you are really out there. You're you're literally everywhere. You've appeared on the Today Show, CBS This Morning, CNN, MSNBC. I could go on and on. Bloomberg TV, the list goes on and on. And I thought what was really interesting in doing my research on you is that you've worked with and edited over 100 different writers, uh, many of whom are at the New York Times, Daily Beast, MTV News, Rolling Stone, Business Insider, LA Times, Vanity Fair. So, I think what's most impressive about you is not only your love and passion for movies, but your ability to put that into words so that people can really get to the heart of what the movie going experience is about. Also the business side of the business. So I really think that that's so cool. I've admired your work for a really long time. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I, I feel like I've been doing this now for, I want to say 15, 16 years, actually I've been in sort of this space and I began uh, back in about 2004 when writing about movies online was just kind of becoming a bigger thing. So when I got involved with some of these websites early on, you know, we had a lot of different writers writing for us. A lot of people who are writing about movies now at really big outlets, you know, they cut their teeth on these like movie blogs back in the early 2000s. And now they've kind of weathered through the rise of social media and the digital revolution. And, you know, and now they're sort of at these giant outlets that funnily enough would kind of look down on those movie bloggers and whatnot of the early two thousands, you know, your people at your, your newspapers and your print outlets, your legacy outlets would kind of look down on, on the digital movie bloggers. And now, you know, some of those people that I edited back when, are now working at some of these big <laughs> legacy print outlets. I love that. And I think, too, for a lot of the folks blogging or writing about movies really back, let's say, 10 or more years ago, many were doing blogs on their own, not getting paid for it. It was purely the passion for movies and building up that knowledge base and then honing their writing chops. There's no greater preparation for writing about entertainment then starting first with the passion for it and the knowledge and then going to the place where you're either getting paid for it or you're, you're at a big outlet or you're doing a lot of different things with it. And in the pre-social media days, I mean, you had to get buy books and <laughs> start reading about movies on your own or talk to friends in your smaller social circle who understood movies. I just love that now the community is so huge. I think you're really at the center of that. I mean, with Fandango, it really is the epicenter. It's not just we're buying tickets here. That's way too pedestrian. It's so much more than that. I think it's a community where, yeah, you can buy tickets to the thing you love, 
which is the movies, but you can also discuss movies. You can look at reviews via Rotten Tomatoes. People can get your insights, Eric. And I think that's really cool. It's a very passionate community, I would say. Just the movie community. It is, you know, and and where things have changed. You know, I've been doing work for Fandango since 2008. And since then, we have grown exponentially. We acquired Movie Clips, which is the largest movie network on YouTube. We have Voodoo now, uh, where you can buy and rent movies at home, which is part of our network. And we have Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is, you know, the, the probably the most well-known movie and TV recommendation uh, outlet or site, you know, in, in the world, I would even say. And so, you know, you put all of that together. Uh, and if you want to watch a movie or a TV show, I think that we are a part of that journey for you at some point down the line. And, and, th- and that's what I love about being a part of this company is because I love movies more than anything. I grew up in a movie theater. It's why I do what I do. And I love being a part of everyone's journey when they're looking to watch something and I'm helping them figure out what they want to watch and what they should watch at some point along the way. And I always say that, you know, to be a great curator or a shepherd or a docent, if you will, in, in, in a sense, because there's a lot of folks out there who know movies. Like, In fact, some of the people I know who aren't in the business know more about movies than anybody I know. It's, it, that happens a lot in a lot of businesses or industries or the arts where I know people who can sing better than people I hear on the radio, but they don't, you know, they're, they're not out there. But what I think is so cool about this is that you are bringing together just this incredible, first of all, your wealth of knowledge, and then having people out there who want someone to help them on that journey. Now, look, I'm not an expert in everything. I look to people that are the experts in different fields to help me discover things. To find, And in this case, people look to you, Eric, to find movies to get recommendations uh, sorry your imprimatur on something gives it more of a heft and a weight and it's we can't all be experts in everything so i think that's really cool that you're out there doing that you said you grew up in a movie theater i always ask everyone on my podcast pretty much where was the point where was the tipping point where could have been at a very young age where you said movies are it for me or did did you find the movies or sounds like the movies found you yeah, movies definitely found me. I would say there's probably two, you know, when I watched E.T., it was one of the first movies I watched in a movie theater. It was the first movie I cried at, cried at the mm-hmm. end of that movie. Yeah, I was very young at the time, and so I, I didn't understand. Like, I just remember my mom sitting with me in the theater after the lights came up because I was, I was a mess. And I was <laughs> like, I, I, how did this make me do this? You know, how, how did this kind of evoke these kinds of emotions in me? And so that has always stood out in my mind. And then I remember going to see Jurassic Park a few years later with my dad. And it was one of those, the early surround sound movies, you know, when surround sound was just introduced, the kind of in that early nineties, I was so blown away because I felt like the dinosaurs were like right next to me. And I will never forget, man. I remember looking at my dad and I was like 13 at the time. And I was kind of scared. I was looking at my dad. I was like, dad, this is crazy. (laughs) That You know, I feel like I'm there on top of me. Like what's happening with the sound here. And so I, those two movies, those two experiences, I will never forget. And those kind of shaped the way that I thought about films and, they made me want to continue to go see movies, you know, and I was just, I every weekend as a kid, I was in the movies. Uh, and so when I left 
when I kind of got into college and stuff, I was like, how do I not do something that involves movies? It's just like defined my entire life up until this point. And so luckily I was able to find Fandango at a time when they were like, we want to do more than just sell movie tickets. Can you help us? Right. Uh, and uh, I was like, sure. And, uh, <laughs> and I've been there ever since. And I love it. And I love talking to people about movies every day. And believe it or not, I talk a lot to my neighbors. I talk a lot to my neighbors, uh, to parents of my kids, of friends of my kids. And I talk to them about movies a lot because that gives me an idea of just what is the general public care about? What are they interested in? I, I look at my neighbors and my friends as the general public because none of them are in, involved in the industry. And I ask them a lot of questions and I take that information in and it helps me talk about movies um, more broadly to everyone else. I want to pick up on that because I think we tend to live in a bubble in the sense of those of us who work in the industry. We talk to other people who work in the industry. If I name a cinematographer, you go, oh yeah, <laughs> I know. I know that cinematographer. Uh, and then we might think a movie's great or whatever, and then you mention the name of the movie to someone who's not in the business and they have a completely different take on it. And I think it's good to talk to neighbors and friends who are not in the industry. And it's actually really fun. Well, a, to find out how much they know. Sometimes like you're not in the industry and you know, the cinematographer in this movie lines, you know, quoting movie lines to me, which is an all time favorite pastime of mine. <laughs> I'm sure it is of yours. And I think that uh, bringing that, perspective or seeking out that perspective on your part is really smart because then when you're writing about movies you're not just writing to people in the room that know what you know you're writing and giving your insights about movies in a way that's unique and for people outside of the industry and i want to following up a little bit on that we're you know we're coming up on a really important weekend Obviously, this podcast will come out after Memorial Weekend, but this has been a, a Memorial Weekend we've been waiting for for a year. Uh, last year, we really didn't have much of a Memorial Holiday Weekend at the box office. Less than a million dollars was earned in total in a record year, like uh, when Furious 6 came out, the box office generated $314 million. So we really took a hit last year. How important do you think with Cruella and A Quiet Place 2 entering the marketplace, how pivotal is Memorial Weekend in 2021? Two things. I think it's not as pivotal as people are making it seem to be, but I think like everybody <laughs> yeah, I think everybody kind of is like, the, the future of mankind rests on Memorial Day weekend. I, I don't think it's that pivotal. I love um, it. I love that you're saying this. But I, I love do it. think, you know, I, of course it's, of course it means, I think it's the most pivotal Memorial Day weekend we've had in quite some time because, you know, this summer movie season over the last several years has kind of started earlier in like May with a big Marvel movie. And, and so for the first time and in a while, we're kind of going back to like how it used to be where it starts at Memorial day weekend. I think this will be, this won't be the norm moving forward. I think Marvel will return to early May and we'll be back there again. So I think Memorial day weekend is more important this year than it's been in quite some time, but I don't think it is the be all end all. I think it is the beginning of what I like to think of as an endless summer because the big movies don't stop after Labor Day weekend. You know, there's been some, a lot of big stuff that's been postponed into the latter part of 2021 to go along with the stuff that's already coming out in the latter part of 2021. So 
really, I mean, once you even get beyond Labor Day, you got a Bond movie. You got another couple of Marvel movies. You know, you yeah, got a Top lot. Gun. Yeah, Top Gun. You make a great point because I've been saying too that the summer starts Memorial Weekend this year and ends on New Year's Eve <laughs> because it just, you know, there is no defined season really this year. And you're right. I love that you use the term endless summer. Great movie, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's really true. There are no, and look on streaming. There's no season, right? No. When you go into a streaming service, you're not like, oh, in September we get new shows like, you know, was traditionally done in the TV realm. And I, I think you guys have done a survey about the building of the consumer confidence. Fandango, and I'm going to quote from the study, finds a whopping 93% of ticket buyers gratified with their return to theaters with 87% saying theaters did a great job making them feel safe. I think that's really important, right? Coming out of the pandemic, even people who are vaccinated, we still have that sense memory of having to be very careful what we do outside of the home and particularly in brick and mortar locations like restaurants and of course, movie theaters, concert venues and the like. So uh, tell me about this study and probably more important than how pivotal Memorial Weekend is this year is consumer confidence and this consumer sentiment surrounding the movie theater experience. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because, you know, this is uh, something special that we did here. 4,000 people that have gone to movie theaters in the last year, 85% of them have gone to movie theaters in the last three months. These are people that have experienced this, that we've gone out to and talked to. I think the fact that we're in the 90s in terms of how people felt when they went back, what does it say? It says that theaters have taken this responsibility very, very to heart. And they've taken, it's very important to them that they want to make their local communities feel like this is a place that they can come back to and feel comfortable and feel like somebody has their best interests in mind. And I think that's important. And so and I've personally gone to the movies a few times in the last year and they've been so clean uh, and everybody has really gone above and beyond to make sure that they're following the protocols. They're doing everything they can to make sure people feel comfortable. And so what I see in this survey is that has paid off, uh, not just where I am in New York, where I believe the consumer confidence is, is higher than any other state in the country, but really around the entire country, we're seeing that everybody is feeling good when they're going back to the theaters. And not only that, but I feel like it, the one interesting stat, 64%, so this is 64% of 4,000, which is a pretty big number, say that they're going to go to the movies at least five times this summer, which I think is big because most people, the average consumer doesn't go to the movies five times in a year. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge, Eric. That's uh, that pent-up demand manifesting itself. But I think it also, perhaps by being out of the movie theater for a year, I don't think this is a flash in the pan. I think we may actually see more people going to the movies more than even before the pandemic, because I think by having that experience taken away from us for so long, that now it's, and, and that, uh, streaming is just there, you know, it's there all the time that now the movie theater experience has become even more critical. I mean, and by critical, I mean, essential yeah. to people who love films. And I love this survey. 
And that is huge because I think uh, some of the studies say people might see a movie once every, I don't know, two, you'd know better than I, but, but much less seldom than five or more movies this summer. That's yeah. huge. That's like a three month span, three and a half month span. So that's a, that's a big deal. And, and I agree. I think a lot of people that, you know, before they go back to theater, they may say, well, I've been comfortable at home. I've been watching everything at home. I would be fine if everything came out at home. And I can see where they feel that way because we've kind of get into this routine of being at home and we're comfortable where we are. We can be in our pajamas or what have you. But then I went to go see last week. I went to see this Quiet Place sequel in a Dolby cinema. Yeah. Because Dolby has their own sort of special cinemas inside multiplexes and what have you where they have their Dolby Atmos sound. And I sat there and I was so overwhelmed with the sound and, yeah. and the way that the, my seat was vibrating at times. And I was like, this is it. And when people come back and they experience this, they're going to be like, okay, now I remember what it's like to go to the movies, to feel immersed in a story and, and to kind of be there with other people around me, giggling, screaming, jumping in <laughs> our seats, laughing, shouting back at the seat, the screen when somebody does something you don't like. You know, that experience, I think, is, is something that people will remember when they go to see one of these big movies, like A Quiet Place, like an In the Heights, like an F9 that's coming out. And I think once you sort of experience that there's going to be this wave of just people like, yeah, I, I want to go back. I want to go back again next yeah. week. And they got this coming out. I want to go back again this weekend. I agree. But you said something there that I think is lost a lot. You know, sound we tend to take for granted. It's always, you know, you're going to well put together movie theater, particularly with Dolby Atmos or a high end sound system. Let's not forget how important we talk about the big screen. What about the big sound? Yeah. I mean, that's a big differentiator. I have a really incredible sound system in my home. I mean, when I hear music played in a great theater and literally, like you said, the seats vibrating and, and you're like feeling the movie as well as seeing it, that impact, that's a big selling point for the movie theater. I think you really touched on something there because it really is the sound and vision coming together in a way you just can't get at home no. and headphones are great and all that, but you're not going to feel that through your, you know, through your rattling your, your bones. And for a movie like furious nine, which is a very loud and bombastic movie, but likewise a very quiet film with like a quiet place in moments where great sound design comes into play. There's nothing like that movie theater for that kind of yeah, exactly. experience. I remember the first film that I saw during the pandemic because I was one of those people that drove two hours to go see Christopher Nolan's Tenet because mm -hmm. <laughs> all, all of New York theaters were closed. I had to drive to Connecticut to go see it. And I remember sitting there and it had been, what, five months, six months since I had been in, in the theater yet. The sound hit me and I swear I, I started tearing up. I was like, yeah, holy moly, I, I forgot what this was like this experience. And I think the sound is going to hit a lot of people first before that sort of big picture, like watching it on a big screen. I think we all talk about the big screen experience. I think the sound is what's going to get people first. And they're going to be like, Ooh, yeah, I forgot what this was like. And I think it's going to help those big blockbusters. And I think it hurts those big blockbusters that come out just at home. You know, I think it hurt a Wonder Woman 1984. 100%. That most people did not see that on a big screen. And I think it's important for some of these big movies for most of the people to see them 
in theaters, at least for the first time that they're watching. You're right. And, and it's really unreplicable at home, if that's a word. I don't know that he, how you could get that kind of sound in your home. No. You can get a big screen or whatever, but even a drop-down screen, like a big several-foot-wide screen, it's not going to have the resolution. And again, it's it's a different experience. Not to say that streaming is bad, but I think for most filmmakers, they want you to see these movies on the big screen. And I think you're right. I think when people go in there and they have that first experience back, they're going to want more of that, like you said, particularly when the sound comes into play. And of course, Christopher Nolan, his movies always sometimes controversial. <laughs> they're sometimes controversial in the sound mix and that kind. But no matter what, Tenet, that those opening scenes, you're literally feeling it and you're living it and you're immersed in it. And that's exactly really unlike anything else. I, I want to talk to you about the top five most anticipated summer movies. This is according to Fandango. Eric, th- this is a great list. You know, Black Widow at the top of the list. No surprise to have a Marvel movie there. That opens July 9. I think most people will opt into the movie theater for that, even though it's available. It will be available on Disney+. Plus. And you kind of alluded to it earlier that you know, summer movie season starts when Marvel says it does. <laughs> Endgame opened at the end of April, and, and so suddenly summer's in April. But tell me about the Fandango top five most anticipated summer movies. It's a cool list. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and to go back on that on that point about, you know, feeling a movie, you know, I can sit at home and watch roller coaster videos all day long. I, you know, first person roller coaster videos. But, you know, it's different to ride the roller coaster yourself. And that's why I think that big screen experience is important. Well, but you I, could do a virtual tour of the Louvre. Exactly. Right? It's not the same. No. <laughs> the roller coaster on, a, on your TV is not the same as in real life. You want to get on that ride. I mean, look, the first thing that jumps out at me is these top three movies, Black Widow, Quiet Place Part Two, and F9. All three of those movies were supposed to come out a year ago. Uh, in some cases, uh, 14 months ago. And all three of them are back and they're the most anticipated films of the summer. So what that goes to show you is that this one year delay for some of these big films due to the pandemic did not quell audience anticipation. They are still hungry for them. They want to watch them. They're itching to see them over even this new stuff that that was supposed to come out this year, like the Suicide Squad uh, or or Shang-Chi. So uh, I think that's an interesting thing to note, Uh, especially Black Widow. We've seen more stories about how many times it's moved. And sometimes people can say, oh, I I don't want to see it as much anymore because it's moved so many times. But that is not the case. It's number one, most anticipated. But yeah, I mean, the Marvel, we're bookending the top five with two Marvel Studios movies. When, when Black Widow comes out, it will have been two years since a Marvel Studios movie was in theaters. Two years. That's the longest it's been. Wow. Since going all the way back to like the Iron Man days when, when, when they first started as a, as a studio Marvel. So that's big. And so I think that's why that's on top. Quiet Place Part 2, maybe the most surprising of those five movies, just because, you know, Quiet Place was a horror movie that came out of nowhere, directed by John Krasinski from The Office. Nobody was like, what is this movie? And it it took that many people. It took so, it it was so impressionable on on so many people that it's number two here on this list. You know, and then your F9 doesn't surprise me. 
Everybody loves these movies. I feel I feel like the, the, they're like superhero movies too because the action sequences and this one. Right. I mean, the seek this. I've seen F nine and the spectacle is as out of control. And then the Suicide Squad, kind of part Marvel because James Gunn, who directed, did the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Oh, that's DC right. got him over, uh, and it's going to be R rated. It's going to let James kind of really go at it, and I think that's why people looking forward Great. to that. Shang Chi, of course, another Marvel Studios movie. Really important character. I think it's great to see Marvel Studios sort of going into this martial arts kind of area and the genre. Uh, and I think it'll be different and unlike anything we've seen from them. So the five makes sense. The top five makes sense. The only thing I probably would have had in there is In the Heights. I probably would have put In the Heights in there. Well, In the Heights, I think, is going to draw folks who may not even be into musicals just to be in a theater and have a feel-good experience and along with the sound you know the music in a theater i think that's going to really transcend the genre and bring uh musicals uh back in a way because hamilton we kind of got we didn't get our full experience there we wanted to be in the in the movie theater only but this i think is going to be one of those maybe not a big surprise because we're already talking about it but i think a movie that a lot of people are going to really enjoy leave the theater on a high and then tell people about it, maybe go back and see it multiple times. I think that would be really cool. I think so. I think it's gorgeous and it's it's about community and it's about your neighborhood and, and it's about coming together as a community. And I think after the year that we've, we've had, uh, this movie is going to speak to a lot of people and resonate with a lot of people. And this is a big year for movie musicals as well. Uh, not just this one, but Dear Evan Hansen, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, which I think is going to be on Netflix. So we're going to have a lot of movie musicals this year. And then it'll be interesting to see which one of those are going head to head come Oscar time. I think we could see Spielberg and In the Heights sort of jockeying for that movie musical position uh, at the Oscars this year. Ooh, I like your early Oscar predictions here, Eric. Yes. This is pretty cool, man. And I think it's becoming so apparent that the experiential part about going to the movie theater is almost, dare I say, more important than the movies themselves right now for people. I think that'll go back to more normal where you see a trailer, you fall in love, you got to go see it, you get psyched up. But right now it's just like, I want to see, especially like you said, some of these movies have been postponed over a year. Not only did the studios wait for the movie theaters to come back to play these movies, but the audience has been waiting patiently to go back to the movie theater to see these films. And I I think that top five list is really a good one. I think this top five will, at the end of the summer, whenever that endless summer happens, We'll see what the box office wound up to be for these films. But this is based on, this isn't like a box office projection. This is the most anticipated right now. From these 4,000 people that we surveyed. Yeah. This that's, a big, is, that's a big uh, survey. Yeah. That's a lot of people. This is the most anticipated. And what, you know what I love too about right now, Paul, is that I, I hear a lot of people saying they want to pick the right movie to go back to. Right. And so it's like, <laughs> People know that whatever movie they go back to see after the pandemic is going to be a movie they never forget. They're always going to remember that movie that they went back to theaters for. So everybody's kind of trying to figure out, oh, do I wait for F9? Do I go? Do I wait for In the Heights? Do I wait for Black Widow? And so it's been a lot of fun kind of talking to people who are trying to like <laughs> curate the best experience that they can have when they go back to the theater. And so that's also been fun, too. Eric, that's really interesting. 
that people are, it's sort of like, I want to have the perfect first date or something like yeah. <laughs> or the first car I drive when I get my license has to be the right. I don't know. That's really cool that people are putting a signifying trait or some kind of uh, importance on the movie. That's the movie that says, welcome back to the movie theater. But I, I think any of these on the top five and in the Heights and really down the road, I mean, we're going to have Top Gun and Bond, a lot of big movies this year. And then 2022, you could do a half hour just on that, but I, I really, <laughs> Eric Davis, that guy from Fandango yes. and Rotten Tomatoes, I want to thank you for being on my many screens, big picture podcast. I, I, where can we find you? I know you're everywhere, but where, where can the audience find find you, Eric? Yeah, well, I, Fandango, Rotten Tomatoes, for sure. And on Twitter, at Eric with a K, Davis. Uh, doing a lot of live conversations on Twitter. They have this new Twitter Spaces thing, so you can find me talking to uh, to other critics, to celebrities, to filmmakers over there, uh, and anything that is on my mind, I, I put on Twitter. So definitely follow me over there. Have a great summer at the movies, please. You know, make sure you're you're choosing wisely. Uh, and, and making those experiences, at least those early trips back to the movie theaters, make them count. You know, you're, you're never going to forget these first trips back. So make them count, make them matter. Go with people that, that you love and, and that you're around and, and that love movies like you do. And then let me know how your experiences was on Twitter. I always love to hear, hear it from people. Love that. You're so open to that. And I think you you are always seeking out information, not just about the movies, but about what people feel, what individuals feel about movies. That passion really comes through. It's such an honor to talk to you today. You're living the dream, my friend. And I'm so glad that we were able to do this today on many screens, big picture. I'll see you at the movies, Eric. We're going to go see a movie together this year. We're going to make either you got to fly out to LA or I'll come out to New York, but we got to go see a movie. Without a doubt. We will, we will run into each other soon. Uh, I have, I have all the confidence in the world that will happen. 